Welcome back to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. This is episode 22. 22. Part 2 of our Japan conversation. Yeah. So we were, we didn't want to rush the Japan, uh, like, conversation. Uh, So we uh, wanted to do two parts. And so we just wanted to, like, not feel like we had to skip things or rush through things. So, um... As we last left our heroes, <laughs> it was Hiroshima, and we had uh, just kayaked through the uh, the giant orange wooden gate, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if it's the same sort of gate that the crazy lady told us from the goblin tour, but if it is, it, a lot of the times it's like a gate, like you're passing through, like you're passing from one side to the other, like mm-hmm. uh, passing, sometimes, now she said things like passing to the demon realm, I think she was... Uh, uh, exag- exaggerating a little bit. Uh, I think she was taking some liberties with some of the uh, local customs and things. But it was a show. It was meant to be entertaining. And we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. But uh, So that was kind of the idea. Well. It's like a passing through gate. And uh, we went through there and we we were on this island. And when you think of an island, sometimes you think of a small island. This was a gigantic island. It's pretty big. It had a ferry going back and forth probably every 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, it was just like just a huge ferry you know, going back and forth, almost like a subway. And it probably had its own schools, and I mean, it was very, very big. It had a huge mountain on it, and it was uh, off the. It was right off the coast of where the paddle park was, and uh, on this island, it was absolutely um, beautiful. And we saw a couple wild deer, which we thought was neat. We're like, oh, cool, wild deer. That's neat. And then we saw, and we saw some like in a, in a almost like in a fenced yard, and we're like, oh, okay, well, that's someone must have some pet deer. That's cool. Yeah, we thought that was really interesting because, you know, we're walking past it going, oh, look at that. Like, somebody has some pet deer. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And then you walk a little bit further. And you're like, oh, there's just some deer walking down the street. Oh, well, okay. That's weird. That's, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> and then we walked up to, like, a little park, this clearing, and it was really pretty. A lot of the sakura, the, the cherry blossoms had fallen on the ground, and there was just 10 deer, maybe, just in this little park eating them. So they they feed off the soccer leaves and uh, it was uh, it was absolutely beautiful and you could walk right up to them and they weren't like scared of you they wouldn't necessarily like you couldn't go pet them necessarily but you could walk right up to them and they weren't like running away you could tell they weren't obviously hunted or or fearful all the time mm-hmm. like typically here how skittish a lot of deer are and everything so it was very uh, it was very cool and peaceful uh, and then we climbed uh, our our guide Mashi Mashi he was he was great he was like if you imagine like a California surfer dude who is Japanese, that's what he reminded me of. Like he yeah. was tan. He had this kind of great positive energy. He was super energetic and a big, a big smile. And, uh, and, uh, he was great. Um, and, uh, so, uh, he led us up like this incredibly unsafe staircase. It yeah, it was, didn't have any handrails. And actually I believe the Island we went to was called Itsukushima. Um, and then the gate was the Maya, Maya Jima. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, okay. That looks the right. Gate. Uh, the Great Torii was the, was the gate. Yeah, no, that's absolutely where it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we didn't, I mean, that island's huge. It, so it's, fair, it's fairly large. It's like larger than, it's as large as Tokyo City is, I think. It's right out of uh, Hiroshima Bay. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was cool. Um. And, uh, and so he, he was a great tour guide and he took us up to this spot where we got some great pictures, but the staircase was unbelievably unsafe. Like I'm talking, these steps were like two or three inches long 
and it was steep as all hell. Like yeah. like one one wrong slip on that, and you're going down the whole thing. And um, but we got up there and got some cool pictures, and uh, yeah, it was really really great. And then we paddled back, and mm-hmm. I think it took about an hour to get out there, and then an hour back paddling. It was it was great though. It was uh, we 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 paddled past an oyster farm, which was really neat. And uh, so we got back, and then that was it. And then it was taking the the train uh, back into Hiroshima City. Uh, city proper so that we could uh, go to the Peace Museum. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you talk a little about that. Well, uh, first of all, we had to figure out where we were going because <laughs> we weren't entirely sure. Thankfully, our Airbnb that we had from Tokyo had us um, or had us part of the the Airbnb package that we could have a, a wireless wi-fi hotspot yeah that was a life which was really really great so we were able to figure out where we were going um with very little trouble with the exception of you know normal troubles which is you know if you're in, in an underground train you can't really get a lot of service or signal in general um but the peace museum it was a little bit of a walk to get there um it was very I mean, there's no way to really put this. It was it was a very moving area. It obviously was the place where, you know, during the war, World War Two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they dropped the atomic bomb there and in Nagasaki. But uh, the Peace Museum was a very interesting experience because it made everything very real. I had a very similar experience visiting the. Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. It's very moving. When you see actual articles of clothing and you see people's personal belongings and hear the story behind them, you know, like these were the clothes that this 12-year-old student was wearing and that was what they later died in, you know, wearing these clothes or carrying this lunchbox or this was all that they could find of this person's belongings or remains or anything so it's very 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 sad uh exhibit of different things and pictures and yeah it's it's very moving and and we were we were in the you know we were in the in the exhibit with maybe a hundred other people and you could hear a pin drop. it was dead silence yeah like like everybody understood the like the nature of the weight of the uh things that happened there and you know it it was very um it was it was very depressing i guess but not in a bad way like it it was um it was something you have to see and you have to kind of understand that things like that happened um and i'm not going to go too much on like a history um you know thing here but you know it was wartime and um japan was doing some awful things to other countries too and so you can argue about whether the atomic bomb was the right thing to do, but it was the fastest thing to do. And unfortunately that was the option they chose, or it could have been a prolonged war where maybe we lost more lives of soldiers and you never know. And um, so it it's one of those things where you kind of, you just realize that war is bad and any war is bad and, um, and we need less of it, you know? And, uh, and it was just, but it's a, it's a, it's a stark reminder of some of the horrible things that can happen in this world that, that people can do. And um, well, one thing that moved me was uh, at the end, 
it was kind of disappointing too but at the end uh you find out that the only sitting president that's ever visited that museum was um president obama yeah. and i guess other presidents have gone but not while they were a sitting president mm -hmm. and i found that really surprising um because it's it's a pretty big deal i i, I don't know i guess i feel like that should be something that all presidents should do, understanding kind of the weight of a decision like that, you know, um, but also, uh, you know, just to get some historical reference. So it's something that you're not, it's just never be something that is wanted to be done, you know. Um, but then they also, at the end of the exhibit, they had some really, uh, you could write your thoughts and feelings in a book and they keep all those. And then I read a few of the other people's that they wrote and it was, it was, it was interesting. It was, um, it was like a shared experience with people you didn't know a shared emotional experience with people you didn't know. Well, and one thing that I thought, one thing that I learned while we were there, which I had not known before, was a lot of the victims were children because they were, um, when, before the the atomic bomb was dropped, the, like, other people were actually firebombing Japan. Yeah, well, the the U.S. was firebombing Japan in its major cities, which a lot a lot of people argue were were more abrasive than the atomic bomb was because they were burning, you know, the villages and burning the whole city was wood, so they're just burning everyone's homes. And, and a lot of a lot of you know of the Japanese population were very afraid of these firebombs and having fires because they could spread so quickly and destroy a town. So what they were doing in order to prevent a fire from spreading to the rest of that area, they were taking down, doing de what they were calling demolition. So they were taking down buildings to separate them so that if a firebomb hit, it wouldn't spread. And they were getting school children to do this. Yeah, I mean, everybody was helping with it. I mean, everyone was assigned to help with it because it was it was urgent like there were some fires that were burning mm -hmm. and they needed to stop the spread so they had to have people go out and demolish buildings like they picked maybe a building that was you know half a mile away and they 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 carved them down so that by the time the fire spread there the buildings were gone and it wouldn't destroy the other part of the city right so, so i didn't realize that they were doing that and it was very it was it was very it was horrible to see that because I would say a good 60 to 75 percent of the people that you read about during this exhibit were were children under the age of 16. Yeah yeah and it was it was really sad but again it was war and it was atrocities and on both sides and and you you know you just you have to understand it uh and respect it and then you know move on from it but i think it's good that that sort of feeling is something you should have so now that we've sufficiently depressed the listeners yeah. of the podcast um but it is something that you know it, it i don't know without getting too preachy it just you have to like you can't forget that sort of stuff that happened and that it can happen again and it's why it's it's so important um but it was just moving i guess is what i'd like to say mm -hmm. so i do recommend that everybody go and experience something like that uh in their lifetime if they can um uh, when we left there, um, we had looked up, because um, we needed to get dinner before we left, <laughs> and we had looked up um, one of the top restaurants on TripAdvisor, I think it was, right? Yeah, I think that's where I found it. And uh, because there's a great there's a great food dish in uh, Japan called Okonomiyaki, mm -hmm. and they have different versions in the different regions you go. So 
Yeah, there's a Hiroshima version, an Osaka version, and a Tokyo version, I believe, are the three different ones. And there's probably a bunch of others. So we had heard about this place being amazing. So we went there, we got in, we ordered. And Okonomiyaki, I guess the best way to describe it is if you've ever been to a hibachi grill, where you sit at the table and the guy performs a little art and he cooks everything right at the table for you. Everyone's got like a hibachi grill in front of them. And they come out and they cook this. Technically, the one in Hiroshima, they didn't cook. On there, they just kind of heated it up on ours. It was already yeah, cooked they, when they, they dropped it off. Yeah, they had a larger, like, area where the chefs were and they were cooking it. And I think they still have the hibachi there for maybe if it's not as busy so that they could do it. Or um, they used to do it that way and then they realized that they couldn't keep up with the demand. But it's still reminiscent of having it on the, the hibachi. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it's... So imagine... Imagine a savory pancake. So they take a bunch of good stuff with like a batter and then they mix it all up and then they cook it on this, you know, on this hibachi grill for you. They have this delicious like barbecue sauce and then a sweet mayonnaise drizzled on top. And it's just, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just the best thing. It was the best thing I ate when I was there. Yeah. And, uh, but then the Hiroshima version is kind of strange because it's, they have that savory pancake on top of noodles. And then they have other toppings on top of it. So it's almost like they, they don't construct it all as one big pancake and serve it to you. They kind of have it different pieces of it. Mm-hmm. And it was very good. It was a little harder to eat because as you're trying to cut it, it's just essentially just food slop. You're mm-hmm. trying to like get on your it plate. It's so good. Um, uh, but it, it was very, very good. They had like a, a spicy barbecue sauce that mm-hmm. you could drizzle on there. And I caked mine with it. And it was... That I, my is, mouth oh. is literally watering right now. I'm just thinking about it. about it going, oh, that was so good. Ugh, it was so good. Well, and it was it was more difficult to eat, but I appreciated having, like, I got a green onion once. So it was just piled with gr- sliced green onions on top of my, my pancake. And then you had that wonderful soy-based sauce on top of the pancake and then the really good... Um, noodles they weren't they were udon they weren't yeah they were udon Udon, Uh, we had the choice of getting udon or soba and since we were all kind of like no we don't want we don't want soba noodles (laughs) but it was great you know it was a great experience we each got like a cocktail i got beer because um i like i love japanese beer is really good (laughs) i think we had a we had like a lemon lemonade mixers or something it was it was a whiskey cocktail yeah it was a whiskey lemonade it was pretty good i took a sip it, the whiskey there, they really have one major brand called Suntory. It's advertised everywhere. And when you order a whiskey cocktail, you just order like a whiskey highball and that, and you get Suntory. Like it's completely unspoken. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, it reminded me of, um, of scotch almost. Hmm. Uh, the, the flavor or the aroma was very reminiscent of a scotch that we used to have at the bar I worked at. Or we probably still do, but the bar I used to work at called the Froig, which to me <laughs> had the same. I said it; it tasted like shoe polish. <laughs> yeah, that was about similar. It was good. I mean, we were walking a lot, and it was hot outside. So just, I mean, yeah, I mean, just having that and like with me, it was like having a bite of this delicious pancake with the noodles and just getting real. It was really, really filling. Like I was stuffed after eating that and then having that delicious icy cold beer it was just perfect (laughs) and then uh so then we had to um we had to get back to the bullet train by a certain amount of time because we had our tickets obviously to get home Mm -hmm. 
and we had to get back in time because it was a four hour yeah, it was train a four ride. hour from the Shinkansen. Um, mm-hmm. but we had to get back in time to still be able to take the trains back to um you know, back to our Airbnb. So uh so we left around six, I think it was, or something, but it was uh, it was great. And on the way back we're walking, we found a couple used game stores. So I got to kinda Greg found some used I, games. I found it. It was, it was just kinda <laughs> like I was in my element, you know. It's hard to describe, but like when you're in a foreign country and you feel like everything is foreign to you and then the universal language of video games kind of <laughs> made me feel good. And so I liked browsing and they were all good sports. They let me browse and didn't complain. So it was great. And I don't know if I found anything there. I might have found a couple games. But nothing too crazy. Uh, it was just it was just really fun to shop and to look at uh, to look at games because I think that's something that I'm just gonna say. I think it was a little bit of a mistake on our part. We didn't give ourselves enough time to shop. Mm-hmm. You know, we we I think like we were we were so busy sightseeing. Which again, on one trip to Japan, even for eleven days, you don't get to do anything you want to do. Like you feel like you have a, a bucket list that you try to check off, but there were so many things we wanted to do that we didn't. Um, and so we have to go back. So we we'll have, have to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, that was it was a great trip and um uh so you know there's i I think i'd like to have a whole day of just like like an actual whole day of shopping or maybe even two days of just going to like a shopping district and going to like a mall type area and going into shops and checking it out because we were always doing it as a secondary thing and it just always felt like we were rushing or that we were out of time so uh but it was uh but it was great obviously no complaints about that experience um but so we got back on the train and then we got back to we were all exhausted. Yeah, that was a rough one. That, and that train ride, actually, like, I'll tell you, um, the two hours wasn't bad, but the four hours was pretty awful. Like, they, they, the chairs didn't recline back at all. Like, that was a that was not a great train ride. Okay. It was fast. Mine did. Yeah, mine didn't. I don't know what it was, but you mine... You should have switched with me. I would have given you mine. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for telling me now. It's only two weeks later. Wow. Yeah, but... Um, but, yeah, so... Well, in our Airbnb in Kyoto, we didn't get very good sleep on it anyway. Because, I mean, not to go into too much detail, because, I mean, we only did spend one day in Hiroshima, so we didn't have to find a, a place to stay there, because the idea was leave Kyoto very early, and then leave Hiroshima late and get back to Tokyo. So it was, um, it, we didn't really stop once we started, once we left Kyoto, we were, we were go, 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 until we got onto the train back to Tokyo. (laughs) Um, but our, I wasn't as enthused about our Kyoto Airbnb. I mean, it was fine. It was a place to stay, but it was just a strange layout and the stairs were really treacherous and. Yeah. And the only, the only toilet was on, it was actually a three story Airbnb, which is why I picked it. I thought it'd be really cool because there was like each floor had bedrooms. I was like, well, we each get a floor then. And, you know, don't have to worry about being too close to other people sleeping and, you know, and then not making too much noise and then like the only bathroom no well actually the only toilet is on the second floor in one of the bedrooms which it was just really weird you know so then and there was no sink there so you have to like use the bathroom and then go downstairs to wash your hands it's really it's very strange very strange um and then a little bit upstairs i said this to ash which she did not like but i said this about the middle and the upstairs i said that it resembled the house from the grudge <laughs> And that, like, at, at any moment, the garage door could open and this little, like, pale-looking boy could come out. And then some, like, ghost, awful ghost Japanese demon would come out. It was, it, it was really funny. And she's like, why would you say that? <laughs> like, well, sorry. It's just, like, the, the futons or the, you know, the beds that we, we had, you know, they weren't the most comfortable. And it was 
So we ended up the second night stacking two of the futons on top of each other, which helped. It helped a little bit. Yeah. But like the windows were open and we didn't realize it. So it was really cold. And so I woke up at like three in the morning and I'm like, why is it yeah. so cold? And they had and... different heaters, like heat boxes for each floor. So we didn't even have the heat so on. So we didn't have the heat on and it <laughs> got really so cold. We were confused. But it was all right. You just bundle up with the cold blankets. It was, it, we're, we live in Wisconsin. We it was, it like. was fine. It was just like I couldn't, I couldn't. I finally realized that the both of the patio windows were wide open. I'm like, how did I not notice this before? <laughs> but we were just exhausted at that point. And so, you know, if you don't get the greatest sleep, you know, you're go, 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 go. And then you're on the train and it's just, you're exhausted. It was funny. We almost felt like happy to get back to Tokyo. Like it was our house. You know, we were mm -hmm. like, oh, it's good to be home. Like that mm -hmm. was our home base. And um, so we got back late. That was late Wednesday night. What did um, we do when we got in? I think we just went back, didn't we? I think we I think we went back and then we got did we, we get, get our McDonald's on the way back because it was just remember. easy and it was like we wanted teriyaki burgers. I don't remember. Um but yeah, we, we it got must something. have been it must have been that because What was the first night we had the good ramen? We had that really early in the trip. That was like our first full night there, I think we had ramen. It was one of them because we ended up going there three times total. Because it was that good. Because it was that good. It was so good. Um, and that was only a block from our Airbnb, so you just get out yeah, and that walk was a block our, down the street. That was our first night. Or, yeah. like, not our first night, but, like, our first full day. Anyway. Oh, that was the end after Ueno we went mm -hmm. there, yeah. Um, so, so then that Thursday, the plan was to go do some stuff and then go to Disney Sea, which is, like, you know, like Disneyland, but there's a sea-themed version of it so in Japan. So they have, uh, like, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Little Mermaid. Yeah. Uh, stuff with steamboats. Mm -hmm. kind of so what did we end up doing that Thursday? Like I'm totally spacing we just, on it. We just hung out. We watched a movie, didn't we? Well, at night. But what did we do during the day? Oh, um, Thursday. What well, pictures Thursday. we got here? <laughs> We're actually literally going through our pictures to like help oh, remind us. Oh, did we do the um? Oh, the, it was the haunt, the ghosts and the goblins ghosts tour. Goblins tour. So so we met this uh this crazy uh, lady crazy lady who is an American who is now living in Japan. She apparently works at the embassy. But when we brought that up, she's like, "Well, don't mention that because according to her." A lot of people are still very uh, superstitious there, and they don't like that she goes around to all these places and takes people to these places. If you have to ask me, I would. I thought it seemed more like they don't take it seriously, and she's trying to make a buck off of like the scary, spooky side of things. Like I think it's more like if 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 here in Green Bay, like say you were like working in government here, and like you're like an alderman or something, and then on the side you took tourists on a haunted Green Bay ghost tour, and your your peers would be like, "What are you like?" okay i guess it's just not like it's it's i i don't believe it's like she made it sound like it was because they're such forbidden areas and they're afraid of the bad mojo that she'd bring back with her i don't think it's so much that as it is like they're probably thinking she's exploiting tourists but well and she has said that she had lived in japan for like 30 years yeah she's been there a long time didn't you call her the original the the og weeaboo the, the original the og weeaboo <laughs> The, the but original. she, she obviously she knew Japanese because she had talked to people while we were there, and I would sure hope so if you live there for thirty well, years, I like you don't so pick too. up the language, something wrong with you. Now she walked us around. I mean, I wasn't scared. I thought it was going to be more like spooky stuff, but I learned a lot on the tour. It was definitely worth the money that we paid for the tour. I think, but I don't think it it should have been branded as a spooky ghosts and goblins tour <laughs> yeah so as far as a scary tour goes it was really stupid like for for like a ghosts and goblins of tokyo you know scary spooky tour it was really dumb 
However, from an informational uh, and neat little things on side streets kind of tour, it was really good. So overall, the tour is fantastic. I almost wish she hadn't pitched it as a ghost tour. Now, we may not have done it. And the reason she did do it that way was because people see ghost tour, they want to go. Yeah. If you say, hey, want to walk around and look at some temples, people are like, well, I can do that on my own. Um, but we saw some very, very cool things um, that I was very glad we did the tour. And then we ended up at the the temple mm-hmm. uh, and we did like a few of the um, a few of the rituals like um, drinking. Well, not drinking a lot, but you put the water and you get the bad spirits on. Then you have the smoke around your head and you do all that sort of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but we um, sorry, you can go ahead. and talk. About no, that. I was just reminding you that um, I mean, like like Greg said, there was a lot of things that we wouldn't have seen normally or wouldn't have found or thought we would have had time for so it's the grave of hokusai which is um if you know you probably know him as a painter even though you may not know his name but uh the the very japanese waves um painting is by hokusai and uh, we got to see like his final resting place and um, went to a couple Zen, or was it Zen Buddhist, or was it Shinto? We we went. We were doing a lot of Shinto because uh, that was like the temples had different deities and different uh, like deities to pray to. Um, which is something I learned when I was there is that uh, I guess Buddhism, like Christianity, has a lot of different versions. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the versions is called Shinto Buddhism, which is the thought of there being a lot of deities that you pray to for different things. Like there's a there's a toad deity that you pray to for good skin mm-hmm. and uh and stuff like that um so uh then there's zen buddhism which is where we were going to a few of the temples where there's like that you see the zen gardens where there's like these beautiful sand gardens that they mm-hmm. they like rake into beautiful patterns and they upkeep these you know the idea of feng shui and stuff like that and um then there's you know like a lot of um uh just a like it it's it's just, it's very interesting because, you know, all of them do have, like, these statues and and deities and, and such and, and wise men. And you went to a temple that had a huge, uh, like, there were, like, maybe 30, I would say, of these statues of these wise men. And you were, like, she explained that whichever one you're drawn to is... is very is like your is a personification of of your of yourself or how you perceive yourself and yet you can go around and you touch like the tops of each of these statues head and whichever one feels warm i think it is yeah whichever one feels warm is supposed to be it's like supposed your to be your reflection mm-hmm. so i thought that was kind of interesting but i think what I, like i didn't mind that it was branded as a ghost and goblins tour because she did go over different ghosts and goblins and stuff and 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 walk through and learned a lot of historical stuff, but I didn't like the other people we were on the tour with. Yeah, um, so like we were embarrassed to be the other white people on the tour with these other people. The only saving grace was they at least weren't American. <laughs> uh, one couple was from the UK, and the other couple was from um, New Zealand or Australia yeah, or so something. Some somewhere annoying, but they were awful, and so we had to we had a little bit of secondary cringe from you know being white but thankfully they weren't american so it was all good but we got to see like i learned we learned a lot about kappas which are like these little goblins that want to touch your butt yeah according to crazy (laughs) japanese lady or crazy american lady living in japan the kappas are like like perverted 
which is fine. Why not? And um, there's the rumor that now that there's all the sewer systems that they live in the sewers because they're typically like aquatic uh, goblins. Okay. And then she said sometimes at night they'll come up to the toilet and in her words, caress your buttocks. <laughs> so then <laughs> at this point, like, I'm kind of laughing at, I mean, who wouldn't laugh at that? But I'm laughing at this kind of whole tour. Like, it was informational, hilarious. But so then I was making the joke that uh, I think she was uh, searching for a lifelong Kappa lover. <laughs> I, th I think she was like, she if she could, she would make sweet love to a Kappa. So I think, so I made jokes that uh, she like sits over the toilet at night and she's like, hey, Kappa, <laughs> anybody down there? I got a little butt for I you. I got a butt needs caressing. But she was funny. I enjoyed it. I thought she was delightfully quirky. She was fine. The, um, the tour was fine. But we got to we got to see the Kapabashi um, kind of shopping district. There's a lot of food, a lot of um, really interesting shops. There's a shop that was dedicated to just re replications of plastic food. Um. Well, replicate. Replication of food, yeah, I guess. Plastic in replication plastic. of real food. <laughs> yes. Okay, thank you. I was like, how do I say this? So they had, you know, what's really popular or very, I wouldn't call it traditional, but prevalent? what's very, yes, prevalent about Japan is that a lot of restaurants either have pictures of food or plastic versions of that food. And it dates back, she explained kind of the reasoning behind it. It was during the rebuilding of different parts of Japan. People would come in and have restaurants and they wanted to encourage people to come try their food. And what made it easier was showing people what that food was supposed to look like. And so it just kind of carried forward and there are shops that are just devoted to these plastic replicas of real food dishes. And, you know, you can go into the store and buy, you know, a plastic ice cream cone or bowl of ramen or okonomiyaki, which is really cool. The Hiroshima mm -hmm. style, even. Yep. And um, they had this big towering, you know, hamburger that had, you know, like eggs and slices of meat and tomato and lettuce. And it was just stacked. It was a good, like, what, three feet tall? Yeah. yeah. It was huge. And it was just in this display just case. Just a fake plastic burger. But it was also like a lot of restaurant supply stores. So it was just interesting because I wouldn't have, well, we wouldn't have thought to go to Kapabashi. And we ended up there and seeing everything that was to offer. And she explained some of the different food products from the vendors. And it was nice for that, too, because, again, we wouldn't have thought to go into some of these areas because yeah. they were either remote or off the beaten path. So I really appreciated it for that, too. Plus, she did provide a lot of really good information that I'll remember because she made it kind of fun. Yeah, and and real quick before I before I forget, I don't want to forget this. Um, when we visited the grave of Hokusai, um, I played World of Warcraft for many years with a good guy named Sean, and his character's name was Hokusai, and I never knew it was based off that Japanese artist. And so I know Sean; we're we're good friends. I know him a long time now. I mean, probably, God, it's got to be ten years if not longer. And uh, so when I saw that, I took a picture of it and I texted it to him, and I was like, Sean, where did you get your WoW name? And then he finally got back to me and he's like, oh, some Japanese painter. I just dropped the A at the end. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I just saw your grave. It, it was really cool. So anyway, shout out to True Grave and to, and to Sean and Hokusai. But um, yeah, that was, uh, that was great. And then that tour ended at like a big temple. So what was cool is like 
a lot of these things you wouldn't have seen on your own. So like we're walking through these little like back alleys and side streets and all of a sudden, boom, you turn the corner and there's a temple. Mm -hmm. And so these are things we would not have seen. So while it wasn't spooky and it wasn't scary, it was informative and very cool. So I'm glad we did it. I'm very, very happy we did it. Especially the the uh, little shrine dedicated to the Tanuki. Yes. Yep. Which I didn't know anything about the Tanuki and what it meant to the Japanese until that tour. So yeah. I, I liked it. Like I said, she was quirky. It wasn't a Ghosts and Goblins tour and it wasn't spooky. But I found it really informative and, and really fun. Um, with the exception of the other people we were with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot. <laughs> um. But yeah, so that was uh, so that was fun, and then we ended at the temple, and then that night we were supposed to do Disney Sea, and we got back, and man, we were just we had already done so much walking, and one of the people we were with, her, uh, well Ashley, I guess yeah. she was the only other girl, her knee had been bugging her, and we didn't want to overstress it. She had been icing it, and we didn't want to really have her walk another, you know, five miles. That yep. night at Disney Sea, which we realized once we went on that following Saturday, was a lot of walking. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was funny. So we got back to the Airbnb and we decided we weren't going to go that night. And we set up because there were three bedrooms in our Airbnb. So we set up the third bedroom as the movie room. So we watched some Netflix. And we just like we all went in there and just kind of like um, set up like uh, like our beds and just had like a camp out sleepover. It was one of the one of the cooler nights, too. Yeah. It was really fun, actually. And it was just, it was like, it was like a nice night to chill and recharge. And I'm sure some people are going to be like, you're in Tokyo on 11 day vacation. You spent one night in watching movies. Yeah. You know, you can't burn out on, and you can only see so much stuff and you can only walk so much, you know? And it it was a, it was a great night because it recharged the batteries for the next day and the next day after that. And then the next day after that, because we were already at that point, we're on our last third of the trip mm -hmm. and you know, you're already starting to miss home a little bit. And you, we, after going to the cat cafe, we were missing our kitty cats and, <laughs> Um, you know, so like before, but you don't want to waste the last few days of your trip wanting to leave. So you got to kind of do those things to recharge. And we definitely did that. And it was worth it. I mean, like, like we said, I mean, like, could we have gone to like a karaoke cafe? Sure. But, you know, I don't think any of us were really had any interest in that. Except I like, I love karaoke. So I would have wanted to go just to have karaoke, but mm -hmm. I I don't think it was really that important for me or for anybody else to go and do it. Yeah. So we didn't actually end up doing something like that. It would it, have been a fun thing to say that you did, but I don't actually think it would have been fun to do. As silly <laughs> as that sounds, like it'd be fun to tell people like, oh, we did karaoke. It was amazing. But like, I don't know. I just didn't want to do it. So the next day we actually spent the girls and the guys spent some time apart because uh, we um Ashley and I wanted to do a kimono thing where we would go dress up in kimonos, get our picture taken, do the full hair and makeup and just kind of girl out for a little bit. But we didn't think the boys would really want to spend their day doing that when they could be doing something else. <laughs> so we dropped them off <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. At um Akihabara. So why don't you talk about Akihabara? All right. So if you don't know, it's the otaku center of Tokyo. Which... Akihabara. Akihabara. My bad. Um, <laughs> it's the uh, it's the otaku center. So it's um it's video games, anime, statues, manga. Like it's it's the you know this, their their word for otaku. It's our word for geek, essentially. Like just think of it that way. 
So that's their geek center um, where everything there. So it's all computers and games and, and uh, statues and anime and maid cafes where maids will wait on you and uh, all that sort of weird stuff. So um, it was uh, while they went to their photo shoot, we decided to go to Akihabara, which uh, a lot of people will um, like remember the name Super Potato. It's kind of the most well-known used video game store in Tokyo. And Super Potato is just like a four or five story high video game store. Um, now, that sounds really impressive, but each floor is only, I don't know, twice the size of our office here. So, like, if you if you know Game Trade, like my store, each floor is maybe half of my store. So there's, like... Jam-packed, you know, but But jam-packed, and a lot of people in there, obviously, because there's a lot of foreigners and stuff that want to check it out. Um, but it's still cool, uh, and, and so it was very neat. Um, we ended up only getting about four hours there, and I need to go back for about four days. Because <laughs> I only saw about 10% of what I wanted to see. I I agree with what you what you said we should do. We should go to Tokyo, stay in the Airbnb, go to Akihabara like every day every for day. like a week and then just eat ramen at night. And then night. come home and eat ramen. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. And then get McDonald's and breakfast before we go. Yeah. <laughs> that all sounds amazing. Uh but but it it's not like and I don't say it's in a bad way at all because I, I there's no regrets on this trip at all. Um except maybe Disney Sea. But we're getting to that. Um, there's no regrets in this trip at all. Uh, but you know, originally I wanted to spend a whole day shopping and that whole day kind of turned into four hours because we got there. But you got to do it again Sunday. Exactly. Which again was going to be like a half day Sunday and end up being about two hours. And I was stressed out because I was trying to get some last minute gifts for people. So I wasn't like, it wasn't like what I was originally. I envisioned like a whole day of shopping and nothing that really opens till 11. So, and we had to be back by like four because we were going to have dinner with one of Jen's old friends who was a foreign exchange student with her in college, which was awesome. Yeah, we'll talk so, about that in a bit. So it kind of turned though, like my day of shopping turned into four hours. And so like for me, a day of shopping is like, I was thinking in my head, like eight to nine hours of Akiba. Um, so it's definitely something I have to go back and do again because I want to ship a whole bunch of stuff home because I know there's a ton of people that would love some of the imports and stuff that I could bring back when I was over there. Um... But uh, but it was it was excellent though it was it was really fun and the first hour and a half we spent just in an action figure like a statue store because the statues and figures were freaking awesome. Yeah, I bought one. And uh, well later. Again. Yeah, and it was but it was awesome. And so and then when you start looking at video games, you're like, man, I could buy so much stuff here, but you only have a backpack, and you've got to ride a train back. So you're just kind of like, ah, mm-hmm. you know, like next time if I went, I'd probably take like a shoulder sling duffel bag. And just start, you know what I mean? Or, or take a bunch of plastic <laughs> bags and just start like coming home like you're carrying the groceries and don't want to make a second trip from the car. So you just got like 10 bags in each hand and you're just waddling down the stairs. Uh, but no, it, it was great. And it's a really cool place. Um, on Sundays, they actually close off all the streets. That wasn't the day we went first. We went back on Sunday. It wasn't the day we went first, but they closed down the streets and you can just walk up and down the streets with no traffic. And it's like just droves of people. It's just, it's really cool. Actually, it's almost like a big flea market. Mm-hmm. But just all video games, anime, manga. <laughs> it's just awesome. It's crazy. I mean, in every store, there's a store for just about every everything that you could think of that's Japanese related. Yeah. Well, there was one. It was really funny. So there was one, <laughs> there was one shop that we were walking by. It was a corner store, and just wall to wall porn, just wall to wall porn. I'm you glad I by, didn't get to see any of that. Yeah. So it's just porn, 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 porn. But then in the back, my eye, of course, everybody knows. Greg's, Greg's video game eye catches a Famicom playing Super Mario Brothers 3 on the back wall. And I'm like, wait a minute. They got to have video games in there, right? So as you as you 
craftily maneuver through the pornography section, uh, I find a little corner that has some video game stuff, and I end up finding a couple of cheap PS2 imports. Uh, actually, one of them was uh, the game I got for one of the guys that do the other podcast with, uh, Trent, and I got him this cool copy of Castlevania Lament of Innocence for PS2. And then uh, I found a copy of Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes for my personal collection, which was, and it was the GameCube version, uh, but the Japanese GameCube version for like 30 bucks when normally that game goes for about 40 or 50. So it was actually kind of cool. So buried in this little porn corner of a store, <laughs> I found the, you know, some, some video game treasure. Yeah, it's, it's interesting though, because there's, I mean, it's a lot like other places in the world um, where it's a specialized kind of district. I mean, when you go to Akiba, you know you're going to Akiba and what to expect. But there are so many unexpected things, too. <laughs> yeah, Jen took a great picture of this like display, like a cardboard display, where uh, the woman's bosom is on like a... A mechanism so it just rocks back and forth almost so it like looks, a metronome yeah it's like a metronome <laughs> of, of jiggly boobies and it's just so it was so childish hilarious but so childish but, but was, you ended up like, buying a ton of stuff anyway yeah i probably ended up buying a total of about 100 games 110 games when i was there maybe so meanwhile while you were doing that while the boys were partying in akiba ashley and i uh took a train uh thankfully it was just one one direction we didn't have to transfer trains to this little tiny um photo studio and it was funny because it was actually it felt when you walk in when you walked in it was an apartment but they had um refashioned it to be this um this photo studio so in our experience, you know, we did the full, we got the full treatment. So we got the makeup, the hair, the the stuff in the hair, like flowers and, and junk, not junk, but you know what I mean. Do you, think if, do you think if I had went, they would have, I mean, not much you can do with my hair, but no. what do you think they would have makeup me and put me in a kimono if I wanted to? Like, Well, not a kimono. They have men's kimonos. Oh, well, what if I wanted to be in a kimono? Well, here's a funny story. So when <laughs> Ashley booked it. Uh, she had booked the couples package because she's like, well, there's two of us. So it was a couples package. But what we didn't realize was that it meant romantic couples. Oh. So when we showed up, they were very confused because <laughs> they're like, oh, this is the couple. And then I looked at Ashley. I'm like, oh, my God, Ashley, they think that we're a couple. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not what we mean at all. And we're just. So we're just cheap and trying to save a few bucks by booking as a couple. Right. And it ended up not being uh, that, it, like, it ended up being about the same price. Like, I actually spent how much I thought I would have, would spend. But um, generally what they did, they get, they put on makeup, they did your hair, and then they put on, there's like a, kimono, kimonos have several layers, and this was no different. So they had... One layer that was, mine was like this soft pink. Ashley's, I think, was red. Um, and so they put that on you and then they take pictures with that because apparently that's like a thing. But then there's also a piece that goes over that kimono as well. And that's usually the very ornate and very beautiful. Uh, mine was absolutely gorgeous. I'm very glad that I went with that one because it just had really vibrant colors. It was 
kind of sky blue with red flowers and all sorts of really cool designs on it. Ashley's was really beautiful because it was like an emerald green and it had gold stitching. And I was thinking about getting the, the green one, but then when I looked at it, I was like, actually, actually it's like gold doesn't work well with my skin tone. Mm. So I was like, actually, if you want that green one, Ashley, you can, you can totally That wear green that one, one reminds me of Ashley's Minnesota Wild jersey that she wears every now and then, the hockey jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Well, it's funny, though, because it's like we tend to kind of lean more towards, you know, what we think uh, is a good color. And I, I tend to favor more brighter colors, yellows and, and blues and reds and, and purples. Um, I do love green, but that gold wouldn't have worked mm. well. It would have just clashed. It, gold tends to make me look really sickly. I don't know how else to describe it. But the the women who were helping us were just a delight. And it was so much fun. And they had so much fun with us, you know, just like, come on. So going back to like the customer <laughs> service thing again, like they loved what they were doing. Oh yeah, like, most yeah. definitely. You, you saw that almost everywhere there. Mm -hmm. The only cranky guy I think we talked to service wise was our first taxi driver, like the ghost of the, the ghost, ghost of, of Kyoto. For well, one, he could have been a ghost. Well, but yeah. two, he was an old guy and he was driving. I would have been cranky in that traffic too. Yeah. Yeah, people walking all over the place. He's like driving barely almost scraping cars as he drives by. It's nuts there. But it was super fun. I totally recommend it, especially if you want to get like the experience of of wearing a kimono but in places especially kyoto has this too where you can rent a kimono for the day and walk around and and do whatever you want and that seems like it would be a lot of fun touristy wise i would much rather prefer to get my own kimono and just have it but not maybe the super like traditional like this is what you would wear like if you wanted like like, I have a lot of summer dresses, and I have a lot of formal dresses. And a kimono, from my understanding, is a very formal dressing gown. Um, and I don't think that I would want to get, like, a super formal one with, like, silks or brocades or anything like that. But they do sell very lightweight style kimonos that are more summer-oriented. So I think when we do go back, I'll probably get one of those. But not at a tourist place. Like, I would want, like, a legit one <laughs> yeah to find do a little homework and not look just like a like a tourist the whole time but it was so much fun and like we paid for you know it was a lot of the experience but then i also ended up paying a little bit more because you could purchase all the images in the role that she had taken um or you could pay per print and i'll i was just like you know what it's just going to be easier if i just get all of them on a disc and then not even worry about it because I just didn't. And, you know, that to me makes the most sense. It's the best benefit for them and for me because, you know, they get more, they get more out of it mm -hmm. money wise. And I get more out of it because now I can have those pictures and get those pictures printed however I want. Um, so it's great. Yeah. Well, and the reason we had to be back by four, like we were saying earlier, was because we were meeting one of uh jen's uh friends like right. uh like someone you lived with yes. uh back in college was a foreign exchange student uh at college with you mm -hmm. and then lives in tokyo so you're able to reconnect and she works in tokyo she works in tokyo so. well enrica and i um we lived together my junior year i think it was her 
sophomore year of college, you know, from Japan. She's actually from, oh my gosh, this is, I've got to look it up because I don't, I keep messing up how to pronounce where she's from. Itsuba, she's from Tsukuba, Tsukuba, which is in Ibaraki, hmm. which is a little north of, of Tokyo. And she lives in, she lives there and then works uh, in corporate account development at a, at a company in Tokyo proper. And when she found out that we were going to be in Japan, she had offered, she's like, Hey, you know, if you want to ever, if you want to get together and do something, uh, let me know. I work in, I work in Tokyo. So it'd be really easy for me to kind of meet up after work. So we figured Friday would probably be the best day. Because not only does she not have to go to work the next day, <laughs> just in the event of like we decided that we kind of want to extend it after we did something like dinner wise, um, but also you know it's nice to to kind of start your weekend off like that. So we kind of went back and forth about what we wanted to do or where we wanted to go, and we settled on getting Korean barbecue. Yes, originally we were talking about sushi. And then none of us were really feeling sushi, though. <laughs> like, like for some reason, we, we wanted to have sushi while we were in Japan. But, I mean, we just, none of us were feeling it. Yeah. And so we were like, well, let's, because there's places that are kind of like island sushi around here. There's, like, places like that in Japan where there's, like, a style of sushi it's where they have. Conveyor belt. Yeah, conveyor it. belt. Yeah, so you pick off what you want. So you could try different things. But we weren't sure where to do that, where to go. So then we're like, well, what do you, what, you know, we were feeling, because Adam and Ashley had been to uh, South Korea a couple years ago. And they're like, they really wanted to have Korean barbecue. And I knew that Rika loves Korean food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, so she's like, oh, I'll take you to my favorite place, which was what we wanted to hear because we didn't want the tourist right. spot. We wanted the spot that the locals would go to. Like, what's the best, you know, you could find. And she apologized because, you know, we went there, we waited. And then we found out that the restaurant we were going to actually had two other restaurants located fairly close to one another. So after we had waited for a while, the, I guess the the host, whatever the equivalent of that in Japan is, he came out to us, talked to Rika, and said, "If you want to not wait, uh, we have an opening at our location, you know, a few blocks down that has a space for you guys, so you don't have to continue waiting here." So we were okay with that because it was the same restaurant, just in a different location, and we walked to it and sat down and proceeded to um figure out what we wanted to do and what i was really grateful for is that rika saw she's like oh you know it's the the menu isn't in english like they didn't have any english menu no pictures or anything so she kind of asked us she's like okay well here's what i think we're we should get you know like the barbecue for like three to four people and then we'll get the duck bogey duck bogey i think that's how you pronounce it um and uh there's this like pancake that has seafood in it and then also like this steamed egg thing so she was she kind of picked the best dishes yeah <laughs> and she took ordered all the hard for work. it like she did like she took charge and i'm just like this is crazy because i haven't seen her in 10 years and when i when i think about her 10 from 10 years ago she was very just very kind of quiet, very reserved. And, and it was partially because she wasn't very confident in her own English. But, you know, 10 years later, she's just like, 
let me take charge. I know what's good here. Let me order it for everybody and we'll all share it. And it was some of the best food I've ever yeah. had. Fun to see how some people change over the years. Like yeah. you're expecting to be how you remember, but <laughs> and some people don't change at all. But. And she was mad. Well, she wasn't mad, but I think she was planning on paying for dinner. And I didn't let her do that because I was like, well, you took us to this place. I offered for you to take us to your favorite place. I'm buying dinner. And she's like, fine. But do you like bubble tea? I'll take you out for bubble tea. <laughs> no. Um, no, that was fun. And then uh, that food was so it was very good. good. So, yeah, it's it's kind of the same idea. So then essentially it would be a, a Korean barbecue. It would be a, um, it wouldn't be like a hibachi because that's a Japanese term. But they, they have the thing at the table. They they just cook the meat right at the table for you, the pork. And then they bring all these little side dishes and they have these big pieces of lettuce. And you basically take lettuce like a burrito and you throw all the stuff in there. You wrap it up and you eat it. And it was delicious. And I mean, it was very, very good. They had some sort of, it was sliced green onions and like a spicy sauce. I don't know what it was, but I could have eaten bowl after bowl of that <laughs> with the kimchi. I mean, it was, everything was so good. And it was so great to have Rika there and explain what everything was because I was really confused. And so we, you know, we got drinks, we got dinner. Um, Adam and Ashley got their Korean barbecue fix. Now I'm obsessed with Korean barbecue and uh, you got to try Chilsing cider. Yeah. So cider, they have ciders over there, which are basically like they're soft drinks. They're soft drinks. That think it's like a Sprite, right? So it's mm -hmm. like a Sprite or a 7-Up. So they've got a bunch of different types of ciders, and they're they're good, you know? But that's what they call their cider. And apparently there's a Korean cider called Chilsing. And it was something that Adam and Ashley have had and loved. And so we had some Matsuya cider while we were there. And it I was okay. I love that. Now, if you've ever had, like, or remember Sprite Remix, that's what it reminded mm. me of. I don't remember that at all. It was real. It it came out, like, a, in a summer in like 2003 i would say because it was when i was in college 2003 2004 in the summer and it was super popular and then like it disappeared off the face of the hmm. earth everyone must have loved it i loved it it was good <laughs> it was sprite but it had like a little bit of a fruity flavor to it there was a tropical one that was the one oh, that okay. i remembered and to me it reminded me so much mitsuya cider reminded me so much of sprite remix oh. like from my first sip i was like this tastes just like Sprite Remix. <laughs> so that was Friday. That was Friday night. And it was great. Was we great. did the um, that photo booth that makes you all really pretty and dewy yeah. and soft. And it was really cool. And then we got bubble tea. And then we said goodnight. And it was really, it was tough, you know? Like, it was crazy. Like, you know, when your roommate, when you have, you know, five other roommates... It's kind of hard to have one-on-one -on -one time with people. And, like, I knew Rika and, you know, we had had, you know, a friendship. But I think being able to see her again just, like, took me back and reminded yeah. me. And it was great to catch up and learn about what she does for a job. Because that's, you can't really have a great conversation over I am about, you know, what exactly do you do and what is your job? And she had just at that moment or that day gotten a promotion so uh, oh, or a new or a position, new job a new she'd job. just been offered a new job she'd yeah. been offered a new job and it was a really good step up for her so it was you know it was exciting because we were able to celebrate and um it was just nice you yeah. know and i was actually right before we like like 
got to the station where we were meeting, I was really nervous. <laughs> I was like, oh, I like, I'm nervous. Like, what if, you know, it's, uh, what if she's a completely different person? She's still the same sweetheart that she has yeah. always been. So it was really great. So Saturday then, we had some loose ends we had to tie up. Mm -hmm. So I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to ship out. I also wanted to buy a bunch of the candy for the sale that we did, uh, the Game Trade anniversary sale. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go buy a bunch of candy, wanted to ship a box, and then we wanted to see the statue of Shibuki? Hachiko. Hachiko. I was close. I was close. <laughs> it wasn't even close. So it was like the Shibuya station or something. Okay, anyway. Chico was, if you don't know real quickly, the story is that like there was this uh, Japanese man who would uh, take the train to work. And every day he came home, his dog was always waiting for him at the train station and they would go home together. It was like clockwork. His dog walked to the station, waited for him. They He'd get off the train and go home. And I don't know if it was sudden or something happened, but the owner of the dog died. And Hachiko was known for going back to the train station every single day waiting for his... <sighs> I'm getting all upset oh. just thinking about wait, wait, it. Waiting for um his papa to come home, you know? Oh. And so he would go there. And so they, and apparently it was such a thing for such a long time that they actually, they built a statue to the pupper. And, uh, and basically, uh, you know, so Hachiko has a station outside this train station. He waited for nine years and nine months. Until until he days. until he died, I think. Until, until Hachiko died. Until the appearing precisely when the train was due at the station. Oh god. Yeah, it was it was crazy, but it was oh. and so yeah, he was just always waiting for Papa to come home. It's like the saddest thing. I it mean, is. it's like um I just uh, looked it up on Wikipedia so that we could maybe speak a little bit more about it. Um his name was Hide Saburo Ueno. A professor in the agricultural department at the University of Tokyo took Hachiko and Akita as a pet, and he would commute daily. And Hachiko would leave the house to greet him at the end of each day in Shibuya Station. And they continued it until 1925, when Ueno did not return because he had suffered a cerebral hemorrhage while giving a lecture and died without re ever returning to the train station. Mm. So then every day for the next nine years, nine months, and 15 days, Hachiko awaited Ueno's return. Oh, God. I can't even get through that sentence. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, so it was it was neat, neat little statue. Um, you know, So many people go there. So many people go there. It was really strange, though, too, because I don't know if it was like a, a purposefully done joke, but there was straight up a huge no smoking sign. And like there were 20 people smoking around it. And it was like the only place people were smoking in that whole area. I don't, I don't, I don't get if it was like a ha ha look at us we're smoking on those smoking sign, but it was bad. A lot of people smoke over there. It's it's still a big thing in Asian countries where people smoke a ton. But you're not allowed to smoke in the streets, like while you're walking. Like there's designated smoking areas. You can't smoke on the train unless it's one of those long distance trains, and they have smoking cars where you can smoke. Like there's at some train stations a smoking like area that's actually inside. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, not inside, but enclosed. Um, but yes, the the Hachiko statue was really was really cool. You know, you could tell that um, people would like rub his little legs because those are kind of like if you've ever gone to Springfield and seen the bust of um, Abraham Lincoln, people rub his nose, so his nose is like this it's worn very down. polished kind of bronzy uh, color. Um, Hachiko's legs are a little four 
four paws <laughs> are are like that too. And it looks just like the the pictures I've seen of him and it's really it's really cool. And so Hachiko's kind of everywhere. Like one of his ears kind of flapped forward. So you see whenever you see a little puppy image like that, you know, his little ear is kind of yeah. flattened forward, just like his statue. Yeah. Super cute. So we um and I kinda wanna I, I don't want to rush anything. We're already at the hour mark. So I, I just wanna we just want to get through this. But Basically, that night then, um, we went to Disney Sea, which it, you know, we, we got a we got a night pass, which was supposed to be like this cool thing. Hey, it's cheap because it's only half a day. Um, and apparently, on the weekends at night, it's still super busy. Apparently, during the weekdays at night, it's not busy. But uh, unfortunately, you know, we went on the weekend night. And it was just really long lines, and it was like waiting in line for an hour to go on a ride for ten minutes or five minutes. And it just really like was most frustrating. Of those type of yeah, which is parts. which is indifferent for Disney World. It just sucked because it was you know we'd all been walking all day too, and like you, what you don't want to do when you're all done walking is walk around all night, and that's what we were doing and stand all night in a line. You know, and it just our feet were wearing on us. This was the second to last night we were going to be there. And we were just kind of worn down. And, and the Indiana Jones ride was really fun. It was. It was really cool. I'm glad we did it because that was amazing. And it was cool to but, see the park. And, and it, it, it was, was cool to see the park. It was nice. And I mean, like I said, they really know how to jab at the nostalgia engine because everything was very well done and very well thought out. And everything had a purpose. It was a very clean. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was True. very, very well maintained and very, you know, kept so nice. It's, so it was cool, but it was... You know, it was what it was. It just it just was a lot of standing in line and, and waiting around and walking to do a little bit of payoff. So mm -hmm. so not great. So that was the only real thing that I tell people, I think, that was like a regret that I had there. I mean, it was the only thing that we didn't enjoy doing, I think. And even that was still enjoyment there. It just wasn't it, it maybe it didn't meet our expectations is the better way of saying it. And I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been to a Disney park either. Yeah, and I hadn't either. Yeah. So Saturday night, that was what we did. And then Sunday. So last day in Tokyo. Last day. Last we, day before we come home. In our Airbnb, there was um, a restaurant on the second floor that you could walk up to. And Seiko, who was our host, did tell us, she's like, you know, just so you know, the restaurant's really good, but they speak no English whatsoever. So just keep that in mind. People still manage to uh, to get what they want and get food and get, you know, a good experience, even though they, there's that language barrier. And, but it's a place to get okonomiyaki, which is the more traditional style where, as opposed to having a thin pancake with toppings, this is a pancake that actually has all of the, it has almost like it's everything's mixed in and then cooked. But this she actually cooked in front of us, um, and it was really, really it was good. it was really good. It was really good. It was really good. Um, <laughs> it, it was I, it was easier to eat, and uh, the it, it, the only thing it was missing was the spicy version of that teriyaki sauce or of that barbecue sauce because if it had that, it would have been better than the other one in Hiroshima. But damn. But it, but it, but it was great. Um, and then what's was really good. funny is so we're eating that and we're we got two of them for four of us, so it was really like it was enough food easily. And then um, Ash knows some Japanese. She took a year of it. She she got us out of a, of a few jams here and there with it, which was great. And so she's talking to this lady and, and the lady is explaining how there's a place nearby that has really good sushi. And we hadn't had sushi yet at, at this point. And who goes to Japan and doesn't eat sushi at least once when you're there? But she was like gesturing and, and saying and, and making like these gestures of, you know, if you if you go, if you eat this sushi, you'll be you'll be really full because yeah. you get a lot and it's really cheap. But it's really good and 
and all of this. Yeah, and so, so, <laughs> so, so Ashley's kind of like, oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Thank you. And then she leaves. And so, and so Ashley's like, yeah, she explained to us what happened. But she was saying how she's like, yeah, I don't know where she said it was. But it, yeah, apparently there's a good sushi place. It's really good sushi and cheap. And then all of a sudden, like five minutes later, the lady comes back to the table with the sushi. And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> and apparently what she was saying was she had really good sushi that was cheap. And it, you get a lot of. And so, we couldn't figure out. I was, we were thinking, we're like, well, why was she point? She was pointing outside through the window. And I realized later, I was like, Ashley, she was probably telling you where she picked it up. Like, there's a fish market right over there. They catch a, they catch the fish right off the coast, and and they bring it over here. And I bought it, and like that's probably why she was gesturing in that yeah, area. <laughs> she like bought it just down the street, or it came yeah. local fresh that morning, like, or something. They they catch it right over there, and it's the freshest tuna you'll ever have. And when you eat it, you get so much, and it's only five hundred yen. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah. So um, but it, we ended up eating it all. And I'm not a raw fish guy. And I, I had to try it when I was there, though. And I was like, I'm not going to like this. I'm not going to like this. And so I packed it up and I, I put the rice, the soy sauce, the wasabi, the piece of fish. And it was it was great. I mean, fish wise taste, the texture is still a little bit off. I'm a big texture eater. I need like, I can't just have like mushy stuff. I have to have some sort of crunch or some sort of like texture to it. And so the texture still threw me off a little bit. But flavor wise, it was dynamite. I mean, it was just a big piece of tuna. And it was delicious. Yeah, and Adam was the one that first took took the first bite, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And I think he had like five or six pieces. He had of a it. lot Cause, of it because a lot of us couldn't finish because. Well, I couldn't take. I didn't have any because it would have been. The, I know the fl the delicate flavor of tuna would be completely lost on me because I woke up with terrible like like allergies. I don't know if it was hay fever or, or what, but like I couldn't taste anything i couldn't smell anything i was blowing my nose like every five seconds yeah you're pretty miserable that last day <laughs> thankfully it was the end of the trip but yeah yeah and i'm like yes it could have been like way worse and so i'm glad it was just allergies but it was just like i I'm like i can't eat this i have no i like it i it would just be a texture and i don't i don't think that's fair <laughs> yeah it, it, it was it was very good though, and so we were already kind of full from the meal, but then we just had to jam down this sushi too. But it was it was great. It was a good idea because we went for a while without eating. Then because we what did we do Sunday then? Well, then Sunday we went back to Akiba. Yeah. And then we went to Marikar, which was, whew, it you have to do it. You have to. If you go to Tokyo, you have to do Marikar. So for those of you that have never seen it, it's starting to pick up some steam online. Like Kotaku did a video about it. And some other places did a video. Marikar is a um, two hour guided tour through the streets of Tokyo in go-karts. You drive your own go-kart, your street legal go-kart, and you drive on the street in traffic in Tokyo. Just straight up. No helmet, no seatbelts. Uh -huh. On go-karts, they can go up to about 50 miles an hour. And you just go on a two-hour tour of the city and you drive around you get stuck in traffic you sometimes like get separated from your group because you get stuck in a yellow light uh and sometimes <laughs> semis pass you very quickly we had a, a scooter was zipping in between us because he was in a hurry to get where he was going and it was amazing though and it was two hours and it was 60 bucks yeah cheap as all hell and it was amazing uh it was and we started at dusk and it became nighttime while we were doing the tour. So we got to start in the daylight and then ended at night. And to see Tokyo skyline at night um, with all the lights and everything, it was just amazing. The wind zipped in your face. It was a beautiful day. It wasn't too cold. 
Um, I got some really good footage on my phone. I was recording some of it, and uh, it it was great. It was so cool. And you dress up as Mario characters or other mm-hmm. characters. I was dressed as Minnie. You were Jen was Minnie Mouse. I had a I was Mario. Adam was Luigi, and uh, Ash was some anime character. It's like a little pink bear with a bunch of blood all yeah, over. Yeah, I didn't know what that was all about. <laughs> but it was cool. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. And and you're driving like people will honk at you or wave at you and take pictures of you because they just think it's hilarious. And then we had stopped uh, for like the halfway mark of the tour. Oh. And there was this little Japanese girl. She couldn't have been more than four. And she sees Jen across the street and just starts yelling, Minnie! Minnie! Konnichiwa, Minnie! And I think I found my new calling in life, and that is to be a character at Disneyland. In Japan. <laughs> in because Japan. Japanese children are oh, adorable. Oh my god. It was, I, I know, I now know why people do that as their job. Because it is one of the greatest feelings to see a little kid get so excited to see you and to know who you are. It was amazing. I'm like, oh, it was worth it just to see that little girl and to like interact with her from across the street. And it was just so, so great. It was so nice. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was. It was one of those things that recharges your batteries. And there was there was also like a I think it was a bachelorette party. It had to have uh, been. It was like a Hummer limo had a bunch of Japanese women that were like dressed, dressed to up. kill. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so they were taking pictures with some of the people up front and they were all, all it, was, it was, it was awesome. But then, yeah, so then you drive all the way back. Um, and that, I mean, I don't know. I, it was just, um, I had this big grin on my face the whole time. Yeah. It was just, it was just, I love the winds whipping your hair. You're driving super fast. Go-karting on the, in the streets of Tokyo. And all you needed to do that was an international driver's license. And here's how you get one of those. You go to AAA, uh-huh. you pay 30 bucks, yep. they take your picture, mm-hmm. and they give you an international driver's license. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> that's it. It's so unsafe. Uh, it shouldn't be legal, but it is. And it's great. It was, It was. I mean, it was right up there, like the top five things of things I enjoyed while I was there. That's very, very high And we there. saw so many things on that. On that. Like we saw Tokyo Tower all lit up and this ferris wheel and just the nightlife and everything was so great and it was a great capstone and then after that we went yeah we went and got ramen we got ramen again oh so good and the lady who ran we think she was the owner because she she was the main chef for sure and she was there every time we went and she was the best and the ramen was the best it was so good. It was so good i mean it was like was it like eight bucks it was like for a bowl of ramen and it's a huge bowl and you feel you're done, you're stuffed, you had good food, but you don't feel weighed down, you don't feel like tired. Uh, but it was great. And then that was that was the last night in Tokyo, which was good because the la- the night before we felt kind of disappointed with Disney Sea. So it was great that one of the best nights we had in Tokyo was the last night we were there. Mm-hmm. That's how you end a trip. Because I on Saturday there were part of us that were thinking, eh, if I had to go home tomorrow it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. But then after Sunday, <laughs> it was like Oh, oh, we don't man. get another week here. I know. I need another week crazy. here. Easy. So it was. Uh, it was awesome. So here, here's some things I want to talk about. Um, if 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 you, if anybody decides to go to Japan, because I really enjoyed our trip and we got a lot of really good advice, and I think that I can provide some guidance as well that maybe you might not find other places. And the two things we were told to bring were a coin purse and uh like washcloths or hand towels. Yep, yep. So a coin purse because every denomination 
um, under $10 is a coin. So they have a five, essentially a $5 coin, a dollar coin, a 50 cent coin, five 10 cents, cents yep. five cents, and Once. one cent. So a coin purse is a great way to keep track of all of that because really they only have the $10, the $50, and the $100 bill. Yep. So a lot of the times you're going to start out with a lot of cash but end up with a bunch of change. Now, a lot of the vending machines will take $5 coins, obviously, but they won't take like pennies and they won't, I don't think they even take five cents, but they, they'll take everything in between. Yeah. So you'll end up with a ton of dollar coins and it's okay as long as you have a place to put them. The washcloth is a good idea, like a microfiber towel, a small one. I kept one kind of rolled in my purse so that when I left the restroom, I was able to just because it was in the front pocket of my messenger bag, grab it, dry my hands, put it back in there. An addendum to that is I would say to go to a drugstore or to any place that sells like the travel things and get a flip top bottle, a tiny flip top bottle and have it and fill it with hand soap. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a few places didn't have soap, which was which disappointing. Which was, I, I did not like that. I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. Like, I don't know if it's just the way that I was raised, but I feel very, very uncomfortable with not having soap. Um, and I thought, well, maybe next time I'll just bring like a, a bottle. And then a coworker of mine was, well, why don't you get like the ones that you would fill with like shampoo that have like the tiny little like flip top and you can squeeze it on there and then snap it back into place. And I'm like, that is brilliant. I'm doing that next time. Yep. Yeah. I may only use it once, but it'll be worth it to have it that one time that I actually need it. Um, so that that's the other thing that I would say to bring and just keep in your purse. If you never use it, it doesn't, it, it won't harm anything. But when you don't have access to it, that's when you realize, oh, I should have thought ahead with <laughs> yep. that. Because the paper towel thing doesn't bother me. It's... It's like, it's the soap. I'm just like, I, I really would like soap, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, Google Translate app. Yep, that Download and have all the offline Japanese dictionary because you can take a picture of something and trans or translate it in real time, which was very, very nice to have. Um, what else would you say? Um, I use that use a website called go Voyagen to yes. find things to do but don't book the trips through go Voyagen. yes they, they have like these crazy things like one of them we one of the things we thought about doing is like watching sumo wrestling practice and so on go Voyagen, like watch watch sumo wrestling tour you pay us 40 bucks we'll take you to the spot where you can watch sumo practice like okay and then you look it up when you get there and you can watch sumo wrestling practice for free yeah it's just the 40 bucks was to have somebody take you there mm -hmm. So there's a lot of stuff like, which actually, if I were able to somehow move to Japan, that's how I'd make my living there is I would do English tours. Mm -hmm. Like I would go on those things and like schedule these tours and make my money doing that because like it, it's, I don't want to say it's not a scam or anything. It's just these people are making money doing things that you don't need to do, but it's a good way to find things to do. There's like a samurai museum. Mm -hmm. They'll even do things like you can get a bar hopping tour where you pay someone a hundred bucks and they take fun. you to a bunch of different bars. But you could just go to those bars if you found them, right? Well, like, so with with what Rika had done, like she took us, she like met us at the station. She took us to the restaurant. She walked us to the other restaurant that had the availability, but was part of the same um, 
like, cause there's two, I think there's either two or three of the same Korean places. And then she took us to like the place to get the pictures and then the bubble tea. So like she knew it and like that could have easily been uh, like a little mini tour. Mm-hmm. Um, most definitely go Voyage was a great place. That's how I, I think I found that tea ceremony. It was also in the lonely planet book as well. Um, that is a really good resource is Lonely Planet's Guide to Japan because it has information on restaurants, attractions, uh, historical places, and it's all organized by area. And Tokyo, it's got a huge Tokyo section as well. One thing also in terms of transportation, you do have the option to get the JR Pass, which is which can work, but it's about $400. We ended up only Outside of actually buying the Shinkansen tickets, which we would have had to have bought separately, even if we would have gotten the JR Pass, we only spent maybe, would you say, 60 to $75 on transportation? About, about 75 on the Suica card, yeah. And so what you can do is you can buy what's called a Suica, Suica card. And a lot of different areas have different versions of it, but in in Tokyo and most places that we went to use the Suica Pass. And it's a reloadable travel card. So you can load money onto it initially and then add money as you as you travel. So we originally bought the cards, put about 50 bucks on it. And, you know, when your trip costs you, you know, three, like 380 yen, it's about three almost four dollars but you know you traveled all over the place and that can add up but not we didn't get anywhere near needing the jr pass levels yeah and it's much better because you have a little bit more control you only need to put on the money that you can't but keep in mind you can only put it in ten dollar increments so you can't just put like 500 yen on it you have to put a thousand because that's the smallest denomination they allow you to put on it yep but yeah, no, that's and that's what to do there. And, and that's I mean, uh, you know, you have to find a healthy balance of scheduling things to do, but also exploring and doing some fun stuff. And and uh, yeah, that's that's it's a fun trip. It's not as expensive as you think. Um, I know a lot of people think about like international travel. And I think multiple thousands of dollars. We stay our Airbnb for 11 days. Well, 10 days was um two thousand bucks so you split that four way again that's 10 days if you went for five days it'd be half that price mm-hmm. so it'd be a thousand and then you split that four ways 250 bucks for five days in tokyo to stay and our plane tickets were what 750 maybe after we got we, a really good deal we got a really good tickets. deal but you can find a really good deal if you look around so we're you're maybe spending i think so we spent realistically it was 500 per person lodging 750 for the ticket so you're looking at 12 13 1400 for travel and stay Mm -hmm. and then you know you have to obviously have your money for when you're there but you know two thousand to three thousand dollars for a trip a week trip to to japan Mm -hmm. you know and that's not unreasonable to try to save that amount of money and even if it took you two years you could do that right Um, it's it's all about you know kind of dealing and figuring out what's going to work for your budget i mean it's it's something that may take you a long time to kind of figure out what you want to do and how you want to accomplish it um also when you're when you're planning if you're going to plan a trip like this provide yourself enough time to get there because what we found is you know when you look at the 
directions on something like Google Maps that tells you, okay, well, your train ride's going to be 10 minutes. It's, it's six stops and, you know, you have to walk someplace. You want to add at least a good, you know, whatever time they say, mm -hmm. add like a quarter more to it. So yeah. if it says it's going to take you an hour, add 15 minutes to it because it, it may take you that that extra time to figure out, is this the right train? Yeah. And maybe you missed the one that you could have taken because you just weren't sure and you wanted to double check. And so now you have to wait an extra five minutes for the next train to come along. And, you know, you want to provide yourself with that much time. I think that's a really important thing to remember too. It's if, if, especially if you're booking something in advance, like that tea ceremony was at 11 o'clock and we didn't want to miss it. So we had to kind of backpedal a bit and figure out, well, what time do we need to leave in order to get there with enough time? And we should have given ourselves, we gave ourselves time, but then we, we took that time waiting for the, mm -hmm. the bus that never came. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So you gotta give yourself extra time, like you said, to get lost and to look around and to stop for five minutes to figure out what train to get on, stuff like that. But... And it just reduces your stress too, because mm -hmm. if you're like, well, you know, and that's what was happening with the the Kyoto uh, tea ceremony, because it's like we 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 needed to get there at a certain time, and I don't think anybody likes to feel that kind of pressure of I know that we're not going to make it if we walk on foot so we need to figure out what we need to do and it was a very stressful thing and thankfully we all were not taking it personally i guess it's really important when you travel with people that you you know you're going to learn how to travel with with other people and you just have to figure out what those other personalities are going to do and and thankfully we were never like angry at each other. It was frustration about the situation. Like we weren't mad. I wasn't mad at, you know, you because the bus didn't come. Right, right. Was, like this Google map is a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, it was really great. And you do learn a lot about people when you travel with them, obviously. Yep. Um, but no, it was good. It, we got really lucky. We they're our best friends, so it was really you know it was easy to travel with them and and to be understanding. And yeah, you get you get on each other's nerves a little bit because you know you're more frustrated at something else, and then you know sometimes it's hard to not direct that towards the people you're with. Um, but uh, yeah, and then that was you know so that was Sunday night was Mari Car, and then uh, that Monday morning we flew out, and because of the time difference, we left Tokyo at 10 a.m. and we got to Minneapolis at 2 p.m. the same day. So. Yeah, four four hours four hours passed in our time but uh yeah and then we drove back and that was it now it's been a couple of weeks already and it feels like when we were there it didn't feel like time was going too fast it felt like time was going just right but when we got home time has just been a, in the blink of an eye you know ever since we got back it's just it just time is going super fast and then i had the uh the game trade sale uh the anniversary sales pretty much when i got back so i had to start prepping for that it was just very um it was just boom, boom, boom. And now hopefully we'll get some normalcy and we'll get to settle down. And then maybe we'll start planning the next trip for next year or the year after. Who knows? <laughs> I, I think it'll be a while before I decide to take another trip. But I really would love to go back to Japan. Yeah. I mean, the flight sucked. But actually being there was amazing. We were with a great group of people. And it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience to, to do that. And, you know, if we're lucky, 
maybe we'll be able to get to do it again. Yeah, hopefully. But anybody who wants to go, you need to figure it out because it, it will not let you down. It was an amazing place. And I, I really hope to go back again sometime soon. Great food, great things to see. If you can figure out how to do it during cherry blossom season, highly recommend it because it is gorgeous. And then everything's Sakura flavored. Yes. <laughs> but we, we actually went on the tail end. So we didn't find some of the Sakura flavored things that we were supposed to get. Like, I think that Starbucks had that Sakura, like it was a Frappuccino or a latte or something. And I think that what replaced it was that American cherry pie yeah. Frappuccino. <laughs> which was plenty fine, uh, which was also good. But yeah, we didn't uh, we, we didn't find any place. Everyone was sold out of the Sakura, like Kit Kats and stuff like that, like the, the off-brand Kit Kats that they have there. So that sucked. But, but a lot of great food, a lot of good candy. Yeah, a lot oh, of candy. Oh, eat all the candy. Um, but yeah, so that's, that was our Japan trip, everybody. Thanks for listening. And, um, we'll, we'll be back onto our regular scheduled programming, uh, come next week, but we just wanted to kind of share our trip with you and, uh, and hopefully everyone gets to go eventually in their life. And, uh, and it was great. So you can always tweet at me at game trade, Greg, or me at game trade, game talk, Jen. Aww. We're going we're to get that right. One of these weeks, Yeah. One uh, you can email us at game talk radio, W I at gmail.com or you can message us on the facebook page as a uh, game talk radio and uh ask us any more questions about japan yeah. if you have any questions about our experience or if you're planning a trip and you want to know we'll happily give you the info for our airbnb so you can stay at the best oh, place in it's japan so great and we'll show you tell you where the best ramen place is in japan. oh we we know <laughs> that and uh you know just give you some more tips or answer any questions you may have um we'll try to answer them if not i can ask rika yep <laughs> But uh, thank you very much, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.